I'm confident in a world that grows darker. There needs to be a place where God speaks. There needs to be a place that those that are searching can find what they feel like is missing. There needs to be a place where those that are hungry but don't know what they're hungry for can taste and see that the Lord is good. There needs to be a place where the weary can find rest, where the helpless can find hope, and the troubled can find triumph. And I want you to know that I believe that God is creating, God is cultivating places just like this in the realm of the earth, that when you come in, you know you're not in a business. You know you're not, oh my God, you know that you're not in an entity or an establishment, but you're in a room where the kingdom of God comes alive where the spirit of God is moving where the spirit of God is breathing where those that are afar off from God are being pulled near where those that are hurting are held and healed where those that don't know what to do they meet the one that said I am so regardless of how uncomfortable this ministry may make some feel we will not back up we will not let off the gas we will not relent instead we will cry more Lord more Lord more Lord more of your spirit more of your fire more of your holiness more of your glory more 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 because I am confident that this world needs more in a generation that we have raised the church to believe that you've got to have coffee and donuts to keep you I'll tell you that in any seminary school they will teach you that whatever you do to get people you got to continue to do to keep them and I believe that God is expressing an expression in the realm of the earth that man can't manufacture this, that man can't create it, man can't cultivate it, man can only open the door and say, come on in the room, because what you do to get them, you will have to keep doing to keep them, and there's nothing more better than the Spirit of God being what's drawing people to Him, because I say, God, keep doing it. I understand some would say, man, I just wasn't raised this way. You may not have been raised this way, but let me tell you something. This way will raise you. You can't get in an atmosphere like this and not get higher. You, oh, come on, somebody. You can't come in down and stay down. Oh, come on. You can't come in busted and disgusted and leave here broken, hopeless. When you encounter the one that is... It's atmospheres like this that you shake some stuff off in. It's atmospheres like this that you may have come in one way, but you ain't leaving that way. Come hell or high water, we serve a God that he said he is a bridge over troubled waters. What did I say? He said you can walk right over it. The water may be raging below you, but I am a bridge over troubled waters. You'll be able to walk right over it. We need an atmosphere where bridges can be built. Whoa, hey, 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 hey. We need an atmosphere where bridges can be built. 
We need an atmosphere where, where people that are standing on islands between troubled waters, we can say, hey, get in the presence of God with me. Worship with me. Throw off the garment of, of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. Throw off that mess and learn to encounter him. The presence of God changes everything. The presence of God changes everything. And if the presence of God changes everything, then that is the one detail that we cannot have and, and, and continue to go without. Listen to me. It would be like trying to bake a cake with no flour. I just got to talk for a minute. This ain't my message, but I just, we got too many that want to do church in the name of church, but they ain't got no God of the church. Listen to me. I'll tell you straight. I don't care how much this atmosphere makes you feel uncomfortable. If you allow this atmosphere to get inside of you, you'll get free. You'll get free. You'll get free. Well, I was raised, you know, you ain't supposed to speak in tongues. Now that you didn't read your New Testament. What you did is you believed some joker behind a pulpit that, that, that he went to cemetery school and then came out with the words of death in his mouth and he put a stop to a move of God that God was trying to move through. We need a place. Listen to me. We need a place where the Spirit of God can flow freely unrestrained, unhindered. Not trying to be captivated, not trying to be corralled, not trying to be uh, 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 designed to do what we want him to do. But a body of believers that come together and say, man, throw out the agenda. Get rid of the programs. Just give me the presence. I need the presence of God. It's a restoration principle. When God created man, he created him to walk with him in the cool of the day. And now the only thing that's cool is our churches. The only thing that's cold now is our churches. God is looking, I believe, for rooms just like this. Where the Spirit of God can move freely. Where people are not looking to be seen, but they are looking to see Him. Where people are not wanting to be heard, but they are longing to hear His voice. A place where people can come and feel healed, whole, and restored. This is a place. This is a place just like that. It's the reason why the room's full. The Bible tells us in all the gospels that record it that there was a man that laid by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years waiting on a stirring of the water. And any time that the water stirred, the Bible says those that were lame and sick that laid by those waters would wait for that water to be stirred. They would rush in because the first in the water would be the one to be healed. Collectively, we gather a principle that people gather around movement. 
And there is a stirring that is supernaturally happening in this room every time that we collectively get together. There is a ministering of the angel of the Lord that comes and stirs the waters of the spirit. And here's the amazing thing. At the pool of Bethesda, you had to be the first one in. In a movement like this, it doesn't matter. You just got to get in. It don't matter whether you're first or you're last. It don't matter whether you're third or 30th. God is saying, whosoever will, come on in. The water's fine. The water's fine. I'm confident that what God is doing here is so desperately needed. It's like discovering an antidote. It's like discovering a cure for a world that is sickly. That in finding that cure, you would find, you would find any way you could in your life to get people to experience it. I don't know about you, but I look forward to Sunday mornings at Dominion Church. Remain standing with me for the reading and the reverence of God's Word. As it is customary that the Bible tells us that when the scrolls were open, they would stand in the reverence of reading God's Word. This is the Word of God. Somebody say, this is the Word of God. Matthew chapter 1, I'm not a culture preacher. I'll never preach culture, but I will preach his compelling. And as I read this, this morning, this morning, had nothing last night, had nothing at 7 o'clock this morning. This morning, as I read this scripture, I believe God said this is what the people need to hear in this hour. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Will y'all read it with me? And let us say, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God. Over the next few moments, I want to remind you that from his birth to his burial to his resurrection to his ascension to the sitting down on the throne that God is with us that when God chose a name for his son he gave him a name that was above every name but that at the detail of that name you could not say it and him not declare his proximity that at the mention of that name it didn't matter whether you were down or you were up that at the mention of that name you had to declare that though I may be in the presence of my enemies there is a table that he has prepared for me and it is a name that says God is with us Father, we thank you that as we would take a moment and we would articulate over this scripture over the next few moments that it would be like a sword that would slice open the hearts of your people. That the soil of our hearts would be open not to just hear the word, but allow the word to bring life into our lives today. God, I thank you that as we would gather today around the scriptures of your word, the infallible, uncorruptible word of you, God, that 
in the moment of this declaration that the pages would come alive and the words would sink deep into our souls that God we would go out of this place today and though we would leave here some with many some with none and some alone that none of us would really be alone because we would realize that God is with us father in a day where many will feel the pressures of the season you sent a message I'm with you I'm with you I'm with you father the surety of you being with us settles every troubled water silences every voice of every enemy the fact that you're with us we are like the man on the road to Emmaus that while you're with us our hearts burn with what you've said father I pray today that you would remind us ever so intent ever so intently that you're with us that it doesn't matter what it looks like it doesn't matter what it feels like it doesn't matter what's going on around us that God you are with us it is the message of hope for the holidays it is the Christ of Christ's mass Christmas you're with us as your word would say in the presence of two or three that are gathered in your name behold I am in the midst of them father you're here today we felt you, we've experienced you, we've encountered you, we've even heard you through the gifts of your spirit that speak in tongues and interpretation. Father, you are with us, you are alive, you're in this room. Tears are not void. Bowing is not in irreverence, but it's all the compelling and the pulling of your spirit that's alive in this room. It is like fire to a log. You ignite things in this atmosphere. Father, we ask you to do what only you can do. Hide me today behind your word. Help me to be what you've anointed me to be in this moment. That, Father, the word of God would speak through me as a vessel, Father God, that I would be hidden in you. And that they would see you alive in this room today. In Jesus' mighty name. I want you to turn to three people before you're seated. And I want you to look at them. I want you to tell them God's with you. Come on, three people. Tell them God's with you. God's with you. God's with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe there's a great truth. And what just happened in the reality that when you turned and you said, God is with you, the truth of it is, it's easy for Christians to remind other people that God is with them. Oh, come on, somebody. I said, it's easy for us to remind other people that God is with them. It's easy to remind people about the proximity of God in other people's lives. But what about our own lives? Because I believe this, that it's also easy for Christians to remember that God is with us on the mountaintops. When you get the new job, it's easy for people to say God is good. Come on, when everything's working out in your marriage, you can testify, man, God is good. 
when the raise comes, the first thing that the believer says is, praise the Lord, God is good. See, it's easy to remember that God is with us on the mountaintops. It's easy for the believer to say God is good when life is good. But what about the goodness of God in the valley? What about the goodness of God? Where, come on, where are the believers that when they say, sorry, it's, it's cancer and there's, come on, oh, where are the believers that, that, that say, let me tell you about my Jesus? God is good. See, because if he be God and if he be good, then he does not have the ability to change his goodness based on your circumstance. In other words, if you're in the valley, he's good. If you're on the mountain, he's good because your GPS location does not determine the goodness of God. In the spite of anything that's going on in your life, God is good because he's with you. The truth is, though, it's more difficult in the valleys. It's more difficult to talk about the goodness of God in the moments of being alone, in the moments of being scared, in the moments of being hurting. It's, it's, it's really hard to talk about the goodness of God in the face of bad news and loss and suffering. But if Matthew, being an apostle of the Lord, being a, a scribe of the word of God, inspired by the spirit of, Lord, of the Lord, if he be one that would script and scribe the word of God elaborately to the, to the people that would hear it thousands of years later, if, if he be true and the spirit of truth would spoke through him, then we must realize that in Matthew chapter 1, when God said that I'm going to call him Emmanuel because he's with us, then we have to understand that regardless of where you are, mountain high or valley low, God is with you. He said that he would stick closer than a brother. He would never leave you nor forsake you. Matter of fact, the God of Genesis that said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will indeed create him a helpmate. And the helpmate will come of his rib, flesh of his flesh, blood of his blood, bone of his bone. And what God did when he created a helpmate, Eve, is he created Eve in the presence of, of Adam's sleep so that Adam would not be alone. But here's the reality of it. Adam was never alone. Adam had God. And yet, in the face of it, God is so concerned and consumed with the idea of you making sure you know that you're never alone. He said, I'm going to give you presence in the flesh, but I'm going to give you presence in the spirit. I'm going to put people around. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to put people around you to remind you of my goodness. I'm going to put a circle around you that's going to remind you that when you see them smile, it's me smiling at you. When you see them holding you in your moments of hurt, that's me holding you in your moments of hurt. I'm not just going to put it in the spirit. I'm going to put it where you can see it. I'm going to put some eaves in your life. Come on, somebody. I'm going to put a company around you so that whether you see it or you don't, you won't be able to deny it. It is the idea of the ecclesia, the church, that we are God's people. We are the element and the instrument in which God uses to demonstrate his love to a lost and dying world. We are the people of God. We are the ones. Sometimes you are the only Bible that anybody will ever read. We are a reminder to a world that says they're alone. It's our job to say, no, you're not. See, the truth is, is the valleys are the places of battles, the place of loneliness, the place of desperation. Desperation. 
But can I tell you something else about valleys? Valleys are the place where God builds our faith. Valleys are the place where we experience God's in different ways. Let me tell you something. You will experience God differently on the mountain than you will in the valley. The truth of it is, is that we will enjoy God on the mountaintops, but you will get to know him in the valleys. Hey, hey, I, I feel something in this room. I said, I feel him in this room. You will get to experience God on the mountain, but you will get to know him in the valleys. You will get to know him intimately and intricately. You will get to know him. You will know his nature. You will know his character. You will know his compassion. You will know his love. You will know his mercy. You will know his grace. You will know his truth. You will experience him on the mountain, but you will get to know him in the valley. Psalms 84 and verse 5 tells us, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Going on, verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. I want to break this scripture down over the next few moments and let you to understand that the valley of Baca was a desert country. It was a place that would have been filled with thorns and wild animals, vipers, and even danger. Matter of fact, it was nearly impossible to travel to Jerusalem and not pass through the valley of Baca. If you were going to go to Jerusalem, you would head through a valley called Baca. I'm going to go somewhere in just a moment, but I need you to capture this. That in the, in the, in the ascension unto Jerusalem, that in the pilgrimage unto Jerusalem, uh, that the psalmist would write that he had to go through the valley of Baca. You see, it, it was nearly impossible to travel through Baca without facing trouble or hardship because the valley of Baca was literally known as the valley of tears. Even in the Bible, it will reference the valley of tears. When it referenced the valley of tears, it is talking about the valley of Baca. And the reason why they say that there was trees there that have a very similar name to that Baca is actually talking about the vegetation that grows in that valley. And, and, and of those trees, they have a distinct character about them that when they are scarred and when they begin to grow and when they begin to bud forth, that there are literal sores that appear on the trees and there is a sap that begins to run out of those trees and it looks as though the trees are crying. And it's in this valley that often thieves and robbers would hide because of those that were pilgriming up to Jerusalem. They would wait and when the sojourners come through the valley, they would attack them and rob them in this valley. Mm, come on, somebody. That valley, the valley of Baca, literally means the valley of tears, the valley of weeping, the valley of lost mountain. Psalms 84 and 5 says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Let me tell you something. If you don't know God personally, what you have is all that you have. And what you have is not enough. 
If you don't know God personally, what you have is all that you have, and all that you have is not enough. Somebody say, it ain't enough. See, there are people here today, and you're exhausted. You're saying things like, I can't make it anymore. I don't think I'll make it. Let me tell you something. You have to get rid of the I and get a hold of the I am because you're right, you can't make it. You're right, you don't have the strength. You're right that you can't continue on, but you can't continue on without him. You can't continue on in spite of him. You need him in the midst of your life. Notice how it doesn't say that blessed are those who make it on their own. It doesn't say blessed are those who have learned the power of independency. Come on, in a world, yeah, I'm going to. Thank you, Pastor Jason. In a world that teaches you about the power of independency, In a world that we have people culturally that have t-shirts that they branded that said, don't trust anyone. Can I help you this morning? See, in a world and in a culture that says you're powerful if you can do it without anybody. I came to tell you that is completely demonic in the realm of the revelation of God's word. That when the Bible said two are better than one, that, ah, come on, that woe is the man who, that falls alone because there is no one to pick him up. You're not powerful because you can do it by yourself. You're prideful. You're created to depend on God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Let me tell you something. You were created to depend on God. When he formed you and fashioned you, he made you with the idea of you longing to do everything with him. The Bible tells us about God destroying and separating and even setting tongues on people that they could no longer talk to one another by the Tower of Babel that was erected. If you study the story of the Tower of Babel, what you will find is that there was a a tower of independency being erected. They said, let us, I will make a tower. Let us go to God. Let us build something that we get to God. And God said, in your independency, in your idea of wanting to do life without me, I'm going to scatter your tower, scatter your people, and I'm going to scatter any bit of influence you got. I'm going to shut it down. Some people are frustrated in this room, and the only reason why you're frustrated is because you've been trying to do it without God for too long. And now the language that you're talking in and the language that, you're, that those around you are talking in, you don't understand. And you're frustrated in this season. And the reason why you are frustrated is because God said, as long as you try to do it without me, you won't understand anything. My God, as long as, long as, you, as, as, long as you continue to talk about what you're doing, what you're building, me, myself, and I, as long as you have those, you'll be in a scattered land and not understand what I'm desiring to do. We were created with dependency on God. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Paul would say it this way. 
that I would boast in my weakness. For when I am weak, he is made strong. I would rather boast in the strength of him so that nobody will say, look what Paul did. They'll be able to say, my, look what God has done. See, see, it was a dependency on God. I had a vision this morning, just a thought even, that as we approach the end of the year and the beginning of a new year, many of you will set out to become gym members. The only reason why you laugh is because you're convicted. I'm in the vein. You in the vein, preacher. I've already been talking about it. I got to get back in the gym. Can I tell you something? But many of you are waiting to sign up at the gym when you can find someone to do it with you. Watch this, because none of you want to do it alone. But more than doing it alone, because there's a concept in the gym called a spotter. And the job of the spotter is that when you get under a weight that's too heavy, when you get up under something you can't lift, the job of the spotter is to stand over you and take the ease and begin to lift. Come on, in my weakness, he is made strong. Listen to me, God told me to come to this house and tell some of you in this season that he is your spotter, that when you can't push it up, that when you can't hold the weight, he said, I'm standing there with you. Give it to me. First Peter said, cast your cares on him because he cares for you we're giving it to you today God we throw in the weight we're throwing the weight to you God we're throwing it to you I can't push it I can't hold it I can't lift it when you are weak his strength is made perfect I propose to you today a concept in our culture that would seem quite contrary. That weakness is actually power. That people that know how to get down are actually the first ones to get up. Psalms 84 and 5. Psalms 84 and 5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage the new living translation says it this way who have set their minds on pilgrimage to jerusalem watch this jerusalem is the place of peace what joy for those whose strength comes from the lord who have set their minds on pilgrimage to jerusalem to get to the place of peace, sometimes you have to travel through the valley of tears. To get to the place of peace, I'm talking this morning. Sometimes to get to the place of peace, you have to be willing to travel through the valley of tears. Jerusalem 
is known as Zion. It's the house of God. It's the city of refuge. It's the place of peace, the city of peace. So watch this. To get to the city of refuge, to get to the city of peace, to get to the place where God dwells, where God manifests, where God shows himself, the people would literally have to travel through the valley of tears. They would have to come through some circumstances of their enemies wanting to rob them, beat them, destroy them, and kill them. They had to walk through some dry places. They had to walk by trees that would remind Remind them of their tears to get up to the place of peace, to get to the place where God was, to get into the city of refuge. They would have to run through a desert of weeping. You know, this is mine and your story, right? That all of us are in a journey to a place called peace. That there's not a single person in this room that is not longing for a fulfillment and a manifestation of some more measure of peace. There's not a single person in this room that says, I've got all the peace that I need. The truth is, is every single one of us is longing and looking. Well, how can you say that, preacher? Because you're here to serve the Prince of Peace. And the only way to get peace is to sit under the authority of which can distribute it. And if he is the prince of peace, that means he has dominion over peace and anything that would try to disrupt your peace, which is the reason in the Gospels, when the storms raged against the boat, he was able to stand on the bow of the boat and said, peace, be still. And Peter said, what matter of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? He spoke from his place of authority, peace. And see, many of you here this morning, you may be in your baka this morning. You may be walking through a season of dryness, a season of, of, of tears, a season of hurt, a season of pain, a season of loss. But I came to prophesy to you this morning. You may be in Baca this morning, but you can be in Jerusalem this evening. My God, you may be sitting in a place of pain, but there is a place of peace just up over the hill. Keep moving. Keep walking. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Keep your eyes set on him. Colossians 3 and 2 says, set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. See, I love what Psalms 84 and 5 said, blessed are those whose minds are set towards Jerusalem. Their minds were set in their pilgrimage. Watch this. Before they ever saw it, they thought it. Some of you aren't stuck in your footing. You're stuck in your thinking. You're not stuck in your, in your proximity of where you are. You are stuck where your head is. I've taught it before, but I'm going to say it again, that anything that God births in this earth is intended to come head first. It's no different in the spirit that if God's going to deliver you out of some things, he's going to deliver your head first. As a man thinketh, so is he. you got to get your head headed in the direction. If you want peace, you better set your mind towards peace. If you want joy, you got to set your mind towards joy. If you want love and laughter, you better put your mind on it. Think about what you think about. Think about what you think about. Philippians 4 and 8 said, Finally, brethren and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Notice this. He didn't say, Finally, brothers and sisters, 
whatever hurts, whatever's painful, whatever makes you cry, whatever makes you want to give up, whatever makes you want to quit, whatever makes you want to throw in the towel, whatever makes you think you're not good enough, whatever everyone else has said about you, whatever everybody called you, notice how he said, finally. In other words, it's an arrival. It's a finish line. Finally, brothers, whatever is noble, whatever's right, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if there's anything excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. Your valley will keep you as long as you think about it. Psalms 1 and verse 1 said this. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. Anybody else want to be blessed here? Come on, Deuteronomy 28, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed laying down, blessed standing up, blessed coming in, blessed going out. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. Genesis 1, 26, and God blessed them, said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. I want to be blessed. But we think blessed is monetary. We think blessed is money. But see, there's a blessing that far precedes what you can see in the natural. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take seat in the company of mockers. Just pause right there. Go back. I got to stop and talk about that. Do you understand that the proximity of the blessing in your life has a whole lot first to do with who you're hanging out with? Some of you ain't blessed because they're broke. Hold on. See, because some of y'all's derogatory minds instantly went to money. I ain't talking about money. I said there's a blessing that far supersedes monetary gain. Some of them are broke spiritually. They broke in their joy. They broke in their peace. And the reason why you can't get nothing from them, because there ain't nothing in the bank. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners nor take a seat. In the company of mockers, the first step to living blessed is you better determine very quickly who you allow to be around you. The church is often broke spiritually in the department because of the company that you keep. Here the Bible said it this way, that bad company corrupts good behavior. Some of y'all, mm, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. Some of you are living in a life of discouragement. You're living in a, in a moment of, of just betrayal. You're living in a moment of hurt. And the reason why is because you refuse to let go. You refuse to cut loose. You refuse to detach yourself from everything that tells you you can't be what God called you to be because you refuse. Oh, come on, somebody. Verse 2, verse 2. I got to go on verse 2. Verse two, verse two. But who, watch, the blessed man is who delights in the law. What's the law? Let me tell you something. You need some word, friends. You don't need friends that will tell you what Sister Susie did. You don't need some friends that'll tell you where Timmy's been. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. You don't need people that will prophesy over your life and tell you how bad your marriage really is. 
You need some word, friends. You need some friends who delight in the law of the Lord that'll tell you no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Sister Betty weeping may endure through the night, but joy cometh in the morning. You need some friends that will yell You need some friends that'll speak the word of God over your life. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. You want the blessing of God? Let me ask you this. How much word you got in the bank? How much word you got in the bank? Because you think your blessing is wrapped up in monetary gain, but your blessing is really about how much word you got in the bank. Verse 3, verse 3, verse 3. I got to hurry. Verse 3. That person, what person? That blessed person. That person that's mindful about the company that he keeps. That person that's mindful about how much word he's got and how much word is in her and how much word she speaks over her family and how much word she writes on little, little sticky notes and puts them up on their, on their bathroom mirror to read them over their life. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all get up in the morning. Let me talk to the ladies. I'm only speaking to the ladies. Some of y'all get up in the morning, you put your makeup on. Now you know why I was only talking to the ladies. Some of y'all need to put your word on. You need to take Proverbs 31 and write it on your mirror that says blessed is, uh, is, is that woman, that virtuous woman who, who rises early in the morning, that her family rises and calls her blessed. Some of you, come on somebody, before you put your face on, you need to put your faith on. Ah, my God. I feel like preaching all over a devil today. I feel like preaching all over hell. I feel like stomping on the devil's neck. I'm half mad and half anointed. Psalms 1 and 3, it says that person, what person? The blessed person is like a tree planted by the streams of the water, which yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. You ever meet one of those whatever they do prosper peoples? Come on. They'll be like, hey, 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 I'm I'm going to start this business. I'm going to do it. And all of a sudden, they do it and it prospers. Come on, somebody. Some some of that people is you. You find out God leads you in something. You obey. You do it. Next thing you know, you're like, man, the blessings of the Lord. The Bible says that whatever you lay your hands to will prosper. But but, 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 but watch this because a lot of us want the product without the promise. And a lot of us want the promise without the process. And so what you got to do, first understand is you got to get that word inside of you. And you got to be mindful about the company that you keep. And you got to understand God is with you. And if his word is in you and you are in him, anything you ask you shall receive. And whatever they do prospers. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. My current circumstance may be in the valley but my mind is fixed on God. That's a powerful concept. Because I'm not telling you, watch this, I'm not telling you to get out of the valley because if the truth really be told, some of you would have never went in the valley. If it was up to you, you wouldn't be here. Come on, somebody. You wouldn't be in the valley. But watch this, my feet may be in the valley, but my mind is fixed on God. What I'm telling you is there comes supernatural power that when we realize that God is with us, then he has the ability to change the way we think even when we are standing in the valley of Baca. 
My heart may be anxious, but my mind is fixed. My soul may be aching, but my mind is fixed. My emotions may be racing, but my mind is fixed. There may be too much to do, but my mind is fixed. My marriage may be failing, but my mind is fixed. My mind is fixed on him. Verse 6 says that as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. Let me tell you something. You may be in the valley, but understand something. The second word is one of the most powerful prophetic promises. You may be in the valley, but you're just passing through. David said it this way, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. I love the fact that David didn't say yay, though I come in to stay in the valley. David didn't say yay, though I get in the valley and I got to die in the valley. David said yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Thou art with me. Psalms 84 and 6 says, but they are passing through the valley of Baca. They make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Watch this, watch this, watch this. They, <laughs> they, they make it a well. You ready for the most powerful counseling session you've ever been through in your life? Your tragedy, your trauma, your hurt, your disappointment, and your failures are what you make them. Watch this. David said in Psalms 84, it's the Valley of Baca. It's a dry valley. It's a place that is known as a desert. But now he begins to prophesy on the contrary when it tells me that those whose strength comes from the Lord get in dry places. Come on. They get in places where other people go to die. Ooh, you preach a preacher. They go into other places where people go to get robbed. They go into other places that some people never make it out of. And Psalms 84 said in the King James Version that they dig a well. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to teach you. I got to teach you just for a moment because you need to understand something. That when you're in dry places, you got to learn to dig a well. When you, oh, you got, ain't nobody coming to dig the well for you. You're just passing through the valley. But while you're there, you better learn that there is something to drink in that valley. But it's only for the one whose strength comes from him. He said... As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They dig wells, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. See, the truth is, is many times you just want out. But what if the way out is not out, but it's through? Do you understand Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That there was a fiery furnace. They didn't go around the furnace. They didn't go under the furnace. They didn't go over the furnace. The Bible says they went through the furnace. And when they went through the furnace, the Bible tells me that the king looked in and said, heat it seven times hotter. And when he heated it seven times hotter, even the men that threw their men died because the heat that came out. And when the king's men looked in again, the only ones that were left standing said, did we not throw three? But now I see four. And the fourth is like the son of man. And when the Bible says they came out, the hair on their head wasn't singed. It says that the clothes didn't even smell like smoke because sometimes you don't get to go around it because you got to find the one that'll go through it. 
God with us. You know, the truth of it is, sometimes we have to show God our faith and then he'll show us his faithfulness. He said, you move first, God. He said, you draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. Jesus came preaching this message. When he meets the man in the temple with the withered hand, the Bible says that he told him, you stretch forth your withered. You, well, he said, you stretch forth your hand. Here's the amazing part. He didn't tell him which hand. The Bible tells us only one hand was withered. But the man stretched forth the hand that was withered. Why, why, what's powerful about that preacher? I'll tell you why. Because in church today, we want to show everyone the good hand. That's free. That ain't got nothing to do with this message. But let me tell you something. Jesus said, you got to stretch forth your hand. The Bible said when he stretched it forth, he healed it. Watch this. Sometimes you got to move first. Sometimes God's saying, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Sometimes it's you call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things which you know it's not. Sometimes it's draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. God's with us, but sometimes he requires our faith before we see his faithfulness. I'm trying to hurry, I'm trying to hurry, I'm trying to hurry. See, we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valley. Musicians, come on, I'm done. God rarely reveals himself when you're rushed. You notice something? I think this is powerful. Sometimes I read the Bible and I, some people would say, maybe hey, you just look too deep. The Bible says, that Moses was walking past a bush and he saw it burning. Understand something. Moses wasn't riding a horse. Moses wasn't going by on a chariot. Moses was walking. Sometimes in your life when you're rushed, you'll overlook the moments where God is trying to speak to you. Listen to me. Nobody wants to get in the valley, but I'm going to be honest with you. As long as our mind is thought on him, we don't even have to get through it quickly. Because what you'll learn is on the backside of the desert, God often speaks. Oh, come on, somebody. I know you want out of it. I know you don't want to go through it anymore. But the truth of it is, is don't rush so quick that you miss what he is speaking. God never says you won't go through valleys. But he absolutely does say you'll never go through them alone. It's dark. It's storms. There's troubles. God's saying, keep walking. Keep walking. Feels like everything around you is shaking. Feels like everything around you is raging. Feels like hurt is all that you know in this moment. Keep walking. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. I didn't pick this valley, God. But I'm choosing to believe that in the midst of this valley, there's a city of peace just over the hill. I'm choosing to believe that in a dry desert wasteland, I'm going to dig a well. And I'm not going to go thirsty. I'm not going to die thirsty in this well. That a place that would kill anybody else. I'm declaring I'm going to get stronger. And I'm going to get stronger because my trust is in you, Lord. You enjoy him on the mountain but you get to know him in the valley.
Psalms 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. David understood. There's nowhere I can go to escape your presence. Stand with me all over this house. Can I remind you this Christmas season? Can I remind you of a powerful truth in a time that I believe this world needs to hear it most? That God is with us. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you haven't done. David was clear, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Where can I go to escape your presence? And the truth of it is, is some of you have been here today, and what you have felt is an overwhelming sense of the presence of God. You have felt an overwhelming pull and compelling of the Spirit of God. And the reason why that is is because he's letting you know, wherever you are, I'm with you. Whatever you're going through, I'm with you. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. I'm with you. And the people that say, I'm going to do it by myself. All you got is all you have. And all you have is not enough. Can I introduce you today to a God that loves you so much that he said, I'm not telling you you won't go through the valley. But if you'll make me Lord and Savior of your life, I'm telling you this, you'll never go through another valley alone. <laughs> I'm not telling you it won't be hard, but I am telling you when it's hard, I'll be there holding your hand. I'm not telling you that everything you see is about to be beautiful, but I am telling you that I'm the one that'll lead you up to the mountain, out of the valley, and I'll show you the shepherd's point of view. I'll allow you to look back over the troubles of life, the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, and you'll be able to say, he was with me. You'll be able to say like David said, you're with me.